You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the start, this is Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. On today's show, we're going to look at the Indians' win today. We're going to look at the promotion of Oscar Mercado, uh, a promotion that got a little overshadowed in MLB news just by the fact that uh, one of the top prospects in baseball was also promoted today. We're going to look at... Uh, you know, what Mercado's future holds, if this is just temporary or how long he could be up. And then after the break, we'll come back and you'll get a sneak peek of the next part of my big board, which I'll be releasing tomorrow. The podcast will be up before that is released, so you'll know some of the uh, the next players in order on my big board. So first half Indian, second half draft, just like it's been um, the past few days and will continue to be until it is the draft has come and gone. So the Indians had a big win today. They won against Chicago White Sox 9 to nothing. Uh, Carrasco, 7 hits, 6 Ks, 7 innings. His He has been hit hard this year. He has um, had his ups and downs, but uh, he just gets, as a terms of pitching, as a pitcher, he seems to get better every year. Uh, some of the stuff isn't as good, but he figures out how to become a more complete and better pitcher. He was a guy that when he came up was more of a thrower than a pitcher. And there were a lot of issues with him in terms of, uh, falling apart under stress and things like that. And when you think about that now, it's kind of crazy to think about because he is such a cool customer that nothing like that would occur, but, uh, a great game by Carrasco. The Indians faced Manny Banuelos today, the uh, left-hander who they beat up on last time and continue to beat up on today. Um, I shredded Tito's lineup construction yesterday. Um, I still don't love Kipnis at two. I know he had two hits today, including a double. But the thing I do like was putting Jordan Luplo in the cleanup spot. As I've stated, when he's facing a lefty, he's going to be one of the top hitters in this lineup. That's what he's here for. That's why you go out and trade for him. And he doubled his home run total today. He went from, by hitting two out, two home runs for Leplo. Uh, Roberto Perez with another shot today. He, that is his fifth of the year. He's uh, tied for second on the Indians. And Jake Bowers went yard, as did Jose Ramirez. So there was, it was a big power output um, all around. The Indians didn't really have to uh get everything to go you know I was complaining yesterday's podcast about how the Indians have not been able to string things together well when you hit that many home runs you don't have to string anything together uh making his debut for the Indians Oscar Mercado was called up um having him bat sixth I would question from the start uh that's not where you want to put him uh, in an ideal world, if everything is working for Oscar Mercado, his best outcome is uh, a near gold glove center fielder who's going to hit ninth in your lineup and provide some speed. He doesn't walk. He doesn't have power. Almost all of his offensive ability is based on contact. Now, he is walking better than he had before, but it's it's not... You know, also caught up today was uh, Keston Huara. Keston Huara is one of the top... 10 prospects in baseball legitimate plus hit tool above average power 
he's a prospect that you change your lineup around for. That's not Mercado. Now, Mercado being a league average bat with plus defense in center field is incredibly valuable. Uh, That is great. And for this Indians team, average offensive production at any position is something we should cherish. It was the rough day for Mercado. Gets called up and promptly gets three strikeouts. We'll have to check how it continues to go, but I did want to caution everyone, and I hopped on Twitter to caution everyone that like he's not a game changer. He's a good player. He's an improvement, and there's a lot of nice things he can do for the Indians. But if you're looking at him to be fixing any part of this lineup, that's not him. That is not what his skill set is. This is a guy when they traded for last year. They gave up a really interesting player in the low minors who could end up being a, a massive home run hitter down the line or could end up never making it to double A. They gave up a player I was really high on in Connor Capel, who is a similar profile but um, not quite as good of a defender and contact issues but power potential and walks at a high rate, whereas Mikado makes more contact but just doesn't have that power potential. So he was called up because Naquin was put on the DL. This was needed. You know, Luplo playing yesterday was not where you want to put him. He's strictly a platoon bat. Uh, Mercado also gives you the nice depth of you can put him in center field if Martin needs a day off here or there. He gives you a little bit more depth in terms of how you're going to set the lineup and the defense. Um, when Naquin is healthy, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It does feel to a degree like this is um, prove it or lose it time for Carlos Gonzalez, which is a little bit weird a day after they had him hitting in the cleanup spot. But when Naquin's ready to come back, uh, there's a very good chance of Cargo's numbers are right where they are right now, that he'll join Hanley Ramirez and Brad Miller on the scrap pit. And yes, I realize it's, it's called a scrap heap, but, uh, you know, sometimes I like to make up my own sayings. Hiring can be hard. Multiple jobs, stacks of resume, confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matchmaking technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. This isn't just um, something where people can apply for. They have to be invited. And as we all know, an invite is better than just a cattle call. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great candidate. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ziprecruiter slash locked on, L-O-C. K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And we are back. So um, I cut things a little short on the Indian side of stuff today. We're going to go into the draft. I'll go through my players 27 to 39 and discuss some of the talent here. As I was working on this, one of the things I realized is 
as much as I do like the college bat depth, it really starts to fall apart after around the 20s that that just does not extend deep because of a lot of guys having down years um, that I have slid down. This is a very prep-heavy list at this point. 27th on the list, I have Matthew Lugo. If you're not familiar with him, he turned 18 a week ago. His uncle is Carlos Beltran. And when you go and you look at things like bat speed, exit velocity, foot speed, arm, he's at the top of the charts amongst this class. Bloodlines, youth, tools, production. There's a lot to like there. I think he's a name who's going to be rising throughout this last month. Next, I have Brett Batty. He is really odd because he is so old. He is going to turn 20 in November as a high school kid. You can look at the other side of things and see uh, Kirian Paris from California who will turn, uh, he's going to turn 18 two days before uh, Batty turns 20, and they are in the same class. It's it's an odd situation to be quite that much older. We really haven't seen it since um, Trevor Rogers, and that was a concern for me when the Marlins took him, and that really hasn't worked out. I mean, there was a lot of concerns there. Um, Batty is a lot more polished than Rogers was, and that was part of my other issue with Rogers. Batty can hit. That's it. You're you're betting all on the bat, and that he's going to move quickly. Brendan Shoemake is the consummate grinder, coach's son. Um, he is more than the sum of his parts. Really productive player at Texas A&M. He is one of two Texas A&M players we'll talk about today. He's likely going to be able to play a stay at uh, shortstop or play second base. He will do a bit of everything, but nothing great. Uh, it's somewhat a utility profile, but if you can be an average defender with an average batted short, that's a starter. So that is the potential with Shoemake, who is one of the safer players because there's really no chance that he doesn't make the majors unless he has a massive injury. 30 is Logan Davidson, who's a bit more of a risk. Uh, he's probably a better defender than Shoemake, and he definitely has more power, but the really high strikeout rate is a concern, and the awful production with wood bats is a concern, but I think the fact that uh, Seth Beer, his teammate, had awful production with wood bats uh, multiple years on the Cape and has been doing well is something that helps Davidson's overall profile. 31, I have Matt Cant- uh, Cantarino from Rice. The concern here is Wayne Graham destroys young arms, and Cantarino has been a starter all three years. He is one of the few players in this class who's uh, struck out 100 batters uh, all three years he's been in college. He's really productive, but he did pitch under one of the most notoriously uh, bad for pitchers, coaches, and all of college baseball. They have a new coach this year. And Cantorino, just, he's improved every year. He's gotten a bit better. He knows how to pitch. He's likely, you know, like a four, maybe a three if you squint. He has a good mix of pitches. He's a, a smart pitcher. Uh, it's not the most exciting profile, but uh, his level of production I feel uh, pretty safe about. Greg Jones, a lot of people are discounting. Uh, and I, I talk about this. Sometimes I think people want a player to be something that they're not. That's always all of Bryce Terang a year ago and why he fell to the Brewers. Greg Jones uh, is a big bundle of tools. I know some people hate his swing and think it needs to be completely retooled. This year, he has shown massive improvement almost across the board. If you saw him in the Cape, you also saw some power potential there. He is the fastest player in this class, 80-grade speed. Um, People are like, oh, he's not going to stick it short. He's 
he gives you more value in center because of that speed um, and the ground he can just cover with the the fact that he accelerates. He does seem to take a second to process, which is why shortstop is not the best place for him. But his speed can easily make up for that in center and still give him massive ground to cover. Um, after striking out a ton last year, he's now walking at a high rate. He's hitting for more average. There's a lot of really positive signs, and at the end of the day, he shows power potential on top of having 80-grade speed. He has one of the only 80-grade, maybe the only 80-grade tool in this draft class, and that's enough to keep him up there for me. Next up is Nick Quintana, who is undersized at five foot ten. His best tool is his power production offensively, but he looks like an above-average to plus defender at third. Uh, he walks at a high percentage. He's been productive for three years. He was productive going back to high school, facing top-level competition. Someone that I do feel is getting slept on a little bit at this point. I mean, I've seen places where people are higher on his teammate. Um, the shortstop uh, there, uh, Cam Cannon. I was blanking for a second. And, you know, Cannon is a very good prospect in his own right. But Quintana's got the bat speed that I think can easily generate more power than we have seen he's just one of those guys that uh i don't he's he's having a better year by every metric virtually and for some reason his stock has gone down massively in a lot of places next up i have uh keone kavaka who's been a late riser kind of a pop-up player um in california he's one of those guys who i know when i went to high school i was already maxed out size wise i didn't grow and he, I didn't get bigger. There was just a few guys who seemed to hit high school and finally get their growth spurt. That's what's happened with uh, Kaoni, who as a freshman was 5'6", and now he's 6'1". So that's part of the reason for him to pop up is he has just finally grown into his body. But the profile is very similar to Nick Quintana's, which is why I have Quintana one spot higher because he's more polished. Daniel Espino, uh, he's an odd prospect because... He's a prep arm, but there isn't really ceiling. It's all what he has now. His fastball isn't going to improve. Um, his secondary stuff, flash, above average plus. So you're just looking at more consistency, but it's an ugly delivery. He's not the biggest guy, and he's a prep player where you're talking about current skills. So it's he's a very different pitcher. Um, you're going to love him. You're going to hate him. I guess I'm the exception. I have him as a late first-round grade, so I kind of like him. J.J. Goss is a, a name going up boards. Um, Cypress Ranch. I mean, last year they had uh, Time Madden who ended up going to school. Matthew Thompson was rated higher than Goss by many people, including myself, to uh, start the year. So they had three guys who could have easily be top three round picks uh last year in that rotation which is just fun to think about goss is the safe one he's uh he has size he's got average to above average stuff um he's the kind of pitcher that certain teams love and other teams are going to pass on because it's a safe profile and if you're going to draft a, a mid-rotation pitcher you might be able to find a college one that's going to have less risk than uh, prep pitcher, which is you know the second riskiest thing after prep catcher. Tyler Callahan is up next. Uh, he is already built like a man. He is a big kid with big power. Um, he's played some catcher. He's played some second base. Most project him at third. There are some that think he's going to be a first base only. 
he's all about the bat. It's a chance for an, you know, it's a it's a good approach. So there's a chance for above average hit tool plus power, and he is old for the class. That's that's one of the dings there. I mentioned before that I had another Texas A&M player, John Doc. Daakis uh, is a left-handed pitcher who's just gotten better every year. I give a lot of value to players who perform really well in the SEC, and that's been him. I give a lot of value to left-handed pitchers because that is a hard commodity for teams to find. So you have this left-handed pitcher who shows three pitches. And what I think is interesting is sometimes we talk about a pitcher's um, arm slot changing, and that's a negative, that they're they're just not maintaining an arm slot that they have problems with that i i more have an issue with release point uh with young players um and that being more consistent but with uh doxis i he changes his um his slots of his arm on purpose and it allows his pitches to look like he has more you know when you're throwing from one release angle his fastball is going to look different than at another one. And it's really a way just to give him more depth as a pitcher. Barely walks anyone, doesn't give up hard contact. Uh, really safe profile. As a freshman, he was throwing high 90s in the pen. Uh, and the delivery does have effort, so there are the detractors. But uh, I have a hard time. He's another guy that I feel like has just a supremely high floor. Because worst case scenario... I don't see a way that he's not a loogie. He has control. He has command. He has the right set of pitches and mindset. And we have seen the stuff being at least league average. And there's a lot of loogies out there who are getting by on one league average pitch. And the last player up here is Blake Walston. Uh, I like quarterbacks who are pitchers. He is a record-setting quarterback. He is young. He is raw. In three years, he could easily be the top pick in the 2022 draft. He could easily be viewed as a day three prospect. He is a roll the dice guy. But I want to roll the dice on athleticism, on a quarterback, on someone who's left-handed, who's already in the low 90s, but you can shape him. He's another guy where you have to trust your developmental staff. But if you do trust your developmental staff, he is an excellent pick for an organization. He's another one that... uh, seems to be a bit all over the place i know you're probably going huh where's uh where's jack lighter well he'll be in the next piece and i you know basically it comes down to age size stuff contract demands and or you might be thinking where's hunter barco i've got some issues with a release point hey anthony volpe is getting a lot of talk i like anthony volpe um but it's a profile that seems very likely more utility infielder than anything else. It's kind of my same uh, knock on Nazim Nunez, who's another player that I haven't gotten to yet. There's there's some interesting talent at this point. You might be going, Carter, what about Carter Stewart? Well, his his value is is gone down. Um, my last cut was Michael Tagalia from UCLA, who we've seen some rebound performances of late. I do have quite a few names just sitting there staring at me in the face. Guys I like, like Ethan Small. He's a highly productive SEC left-hander. Davis Wenzel at Baylor, where I think people will just enjoy the fact that it's more of an old-school baseball body when you look at him. Uh, Josh Smith at LSU. How about Noah Song, who's been utterly dominant at Navy, but people are concerned about uh, how uh, his naval commitment's going to work. Drew Jameson probably the top Midwest prospect this year at Ball State. Uh, 
so there's still some names. Um, the depth isn't quite there as the years passed. I'm not quite as excited. Um, I feel like a lot of these guys are players I might have had 10 or 15 spots later a year last year. But last year's class was incredibly deep, so that's not necessarily the fairest comparison. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, downloading. It's much appreciated. As always, go Tribe!